today on Musing with Siri, we're talking to Dr. Budi Kuznato. He is an orthodontist. He is also the head of ortho for the University of Illinois, Chicago. He's got great insights, and we're very excited to be speaking to him and very privileged to have his time. So I'm going to start with a couple of things. Booty and I met when I was teaching a class um, about business for third-year ortho residents, and we immediately hit it off and started talking about something that I'm going to ask a question about first, which is ortho seems to be in all of dental like the fastest moving with technology between what's going on with Invisalign and scanning and brackets and being able to bend wires. Can you tell us a little bit about what has gone on to make this new movement of technology become what ortho is really becoming? Uh, I guess uh, as an orthodontist, uh, we always, uh, you know, try to always find a pro uh, solve the problem by thinking outside the box. Okay, so that's that's kind of the beginning of it. So in the area of orthodontics, many advances in technology, as you mentioned, has been put in the market for us to use, for the orthodontist to use. Uh, there are all this wonderful technology from material science, imaging, instrument, bracket design, um, aesthetics that have been implemented. Uh, but what I see is, uh, on the other hand, I notice uh, little actually has been done in terms of diagnostic and treatment planning tools, which is actually the bread and butter of orthodontic treatment. So the success of any orthodontic treatment or any treatment in the healthcare professions uh, really depends on diagnostic and treatment planning without proper diagnosis simple problem can turn out to be a nightmare. And on the other hand, problem that seems difficult can be tackled easier given the right diagnosis and treatment planning. Those are just my uh, brief introduction and insight about uh, technology and the wonderful development of technology that we have now in orthodontics. So tell me, you. I'm guessing you do a lot of treatment planning for patients. Tell me what you would be doing differently in treatment planning and some of the things that you're doing that have been positive and negative in terms of getting patients to say yes to treatment. Gen generally, when I start uh, my treatment planning session with a patient, <clears throat> of course, after doing uh, clinical examination and then obtaining uh as much records as possible, uh, and of course, using insight and, and uh, experience that I learned over the years, this is where we then begin to put the puzzle uh, together. So we do have an outstanding tools, okay, to somewhat visualize and simulate possible treatment outcomes, such as uh, dolphin imaging, clean check, sure smile, that can perform this visualization to some extent. Uh, that, that actually help in educating the patient uh, himself or herself to be involved in the decision making of their treatment. 
I think it is so so important to really listen to the patients, to really listen to what their concerns really are, and then individualize the treatment based on the need within the uh, the constraint, of course, of biological uh, and mechanics and physics that we can deliver uh, uh, safely to to meet the need of the patients. Right. So one of the things I think I see a lot is there's so much new, cool diagnostic stuff, but is it being used right? Like people using Itero to do study models versus doing old alginate study models. What do you think about that? How has it changed? One of the things I think I'm seeing and hearing a lot from Invisalign is they take a picture of somebody smiling and the next thing you know, that person um, is... Get, you can put them in a simulator and see what it's going what the outcome's going to be, but that isn't always looking at the tissue or what's going on in someone's mouth in terms of oral health and decay and things of that nature, or are there supernumerary teeth, that type of stuff. Yeah, that's a, a wonderful and excellent point, Sari. Uh, again, it's going back to the diagnostic and treatment planning, as I mentioned earlier. So, uh, those tools are, are generally very, uh, you know, efficient. They are very useful. And, of course, they, they improve over the years. And then they really been, uh, uh, you know, the precision has been great. But, uh, to, but unfortunately, again, uh, it, if it's not being used carefully, the tools can be misleading. Okay, so pe people will, will think, I mean, the patient will think, oh, uh, just by looking at the pictures without actually evaluating uh, the, uh, as a whole system, as a whole biological system that composed of a living human being there uh, that has soft tissue, bone, roots, uh, muscles, movement, uh, physiologic movement, and, and everything as a whole, uh, uh, those two merely just like a video games, uh, uh, nothing more than that. But uh, one thing that I noticed though, in the past four years, okay, uh, with the explosion of big data and artificial intelligence, uh, AI, in which I do have the opportunity to engage with many brilliant group of people from UIC as well as other institution and private industry to learn, explore, and research this particular area of diagnostic. Uh, this is probably going to be the, the future of where uh, uh, Clinicians, uh, uh, well-trained orthodontists or clinicians uh, can render or deliver more precise and individualized treatment with the help of AI as a diagnostic tools. So that's, this is, uh, again, uh, something that I am currently passionate about. about. So a uh, few products such as uh, dental monitoring then, and, and iSmart Office, for instance, uh, come with some AI to help clinician identify certain dental condition and, you know, degree of difficulty of certain things, okay, as in packets, as an, uh, an apps. Wow. 
So like class one, class two, class three outcomes can be pretty much will be linked up to um, an artificial intelligence tool. Uh, yeah. Where I know yeah. in the past mm-hmm. class threes have been, well, we can't do Invisalign. We can only do this and we can only do that. And you're going to need surgery. This might be able to give them hope that it's not going to be as big of a mess to get their treatment done right, planned out with new AI features and certain equipment or in certain products or in certain treatment. Yeah, Uh, yeah, you nailed it right. Because, I mean, in in fact, the development of of the science behind the orthodontics itself, I mean, we we must grow beyond, in, in terms of diagnostic, we must grow. In fact, there are more than just class one, two, three. And it's subdivision. There's a lot more. I mean, the machine can actually learn and detect a lot more pattern than what human can do. But the, the final decision is, has to be always in the human hand. So the, these tools is helpful to detect the nuance and subtle differences and to alert us before we make mistakes. Okay, But we do... The clini- uh, well-trained clinicians should have the ability to finally have the final saying and deliver for the better of the patient, basically. So, you know, as, I, as I've worked in ortho and dental, one of the things I've used to see is, well, we have option A, which is this, and we have option B, which is this. So this is going to be able to do it without really as much difficulty or as much time, and it's going to cut down on what the consult is going to be, isn't it? How much chair time is being taken yeah, away from clinical? Definitely. I mean, uh, to, to some extent, uh, the implication of this is in the application of telehealth, teledentistry, okay? In which, uh, imagine, a patient can actually take their own cell phone and then start snapping their uh, you know teeth in a guided way a picture and then before you even see them an ai will point out oh uh, there are certain condition here that you you have to be aware to and then the picture with all those pointers come and send to the clinician and then the clinician can make somewhat decision okay to okay, this this is a patient that need interdisciplinary. This is the patient that possibly need surgical. This is the patient that probably need to have uh, a crown made first before you see the ortho or or oral hygiene needs to be maintained. So that is already a time saving by itself. Okay, so so then uh, you can channel the patient to an appropriate uh, colleague, providers, and specialty. And then finally, you can work together with them with, in, in one environment. And they are all orchestrated uh, beautifully in a more efficient way. Wow. That's pretty mind-blowing. And I think lots of doctors are going to be really excited to be able to do that. Um, one doctor, I don't know if you know um, Keith Dressler, but he owns a company called Rhinogram, which is already doing some of this. Um, as well as other things that are like great patient experience things where they can do telehealth right through the phone. It's HIPAA compliant. Yeah. It's, it's easy for the doctor. You know, they're texting back and forth and talking and taking pictures. And it's pretty great to see that 
the technology is there to be able to utilize and save time for doctors. But what do you think will happen long term with these doctors that have, you know, seven, eight chair practices, and they probably aren't going to need them anymore because they're going to be able to do some of their treatment and consults remotely and not need the chair space for it? Yeah, yeah. Uh... I guess, you know, we are all have to adapt to some extent, okay, from the way that we uh, manage the clinic to the way that we streamline the patients. At some point, when we spoke about AI, some might think, oh, will it be soon make all the this obsolete, right? The statement might have some truth into it if we cannot learn and adapt with the way that we practice and put the stress more in the planning and the collaboration and diagnosis as part of a good practice. So, for instance, direct consumer model these days is 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 penetrating all the world everywhere. Like right? uh, as many as the audience are aware here, has penetrated the market segment. Uh, fortunately, to date, uh, I mean it's still not too well developed due to the lack of diagnostic capability. This is where we as the clinician, a well-trained clinician and orthodontist have to step up. Uh, but, you know, and we, uh, sooner or later, the technology will catch up to us. Predictability, choices of cases, case selection can be filtered prior to, to the patient actually uh, coming to the clinic. Uh, some apps, as I mentioned previous, previously, such as this iSmart Office or dental monitoring, have the precursor of this that's already happening right now. What, what I think is interesting is teledentistry is an actual thing where in the past you never thought we were able to have it, especially now, like you've got a dentist emergency, you can call the dentist, get on the phone with him, have a conversation. How do you think that's going to change over time? Uh, yeah, no, uh, triaging uh, emergency is a big thing too. I mean, a uh, uh, couple of the features that uh, some of this AI product that I, I'm aware of, they actually start has the ability to, to figure out whether you need to be uh, triaged right away or you can actually wait until the next morning or if so, you can have certain certain chatbot uh, answering particular questions, uh, basic questions, and that, that will actually uh, somewhat, uh, uh, you know, uh, make the the dentist patient's connection actually more more uh, readily available to some extent. And then we at the dentist get alerted if something happened to the patients. Uh, uh, either throughout treatment, uh, during treatment, or or or, or uh, at the beginning of treatment. There are new things that also we're doing, like acupuncture and stuff to the gum to help people. Can you talk a little bit about that uh, stuff that's going? Yeah, on? like uh, you're talking probably about Propel or uh, Propel. Yeah, Propel, uh, uh, an accelerated uh, tooth movement. Uh, yeah, we we there uh, there are many methods to that, uh, uh, and and there are some that has more clinical uh, evidence than others. But uh, uh, things like uh, uh, 
propel or or uh, laser uh, treatment do have some merit and and it it does have uh, some evidence to to support that they are actually uh, 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 speeding up the rate of tooth movement to some extent. Uh, but still, uh, you know, many more research need to be uh, done on that area. Uh, and this is one of the, the kind of treatment which is uh, less invasive than others. Okay, Some, some actually uh, does require periosurgery, gum surgery to speed things up, which is, uh, I think, is a little bit too, uh, too invasive, you know, but uh, it is, uh, it's something to be considered. Do you do laser in your practice? Are you lasering flaps and doing phrenectomies and that sort of uh, stuff? That for limited, very limited, but I do laser to uh, actually uh, uh, expedite some of the unerupted teeth uh, to erupt. So uh, yeah, right. if, if there are teeth that's been embedded inside the gum for too long, okay, and they don't actually want to, to erupt, then when we laserize the the area, the teeth miraculously usually rub a lot faster. So are you seeing with all this technology cases getting done a little quick, more quickly than they used to be? And my other question to that is, can that hurt the patient? Do they know enough to know that these faster treatments, are they good for the patient? Are they bad? Or is it kind of like a neutral? Uh, I think I have to put it kind of neutral. Okay, there are there are many steps along the course of the treatment uh, of an orthodontic patient. It's like when you are uh, taking when you are uh, I don't know if, if you you have a driver or a fly a plane. Okay, so the the pilot have to to do a checklist before they take off and then they are cruising altitude. And then finally, when they are about to land, they do another checklist to, to land. So similarly to the ortho treatment. And then overall treatment, it's not really actually getting affected too much, okay? In terms of overall, you, you probably save, I don't know, two or three months because there are certain things that too fast is not good. There, there, sometimes during the course, you need to slow down, you need to upright the root, you need to make sure there is no recession, you need to, to rebalance the oral hygiene, you need to, to do a lot of things, okay? And then sometimes your mechanic is not too efficient, you're creating friction, you need to undo the friction to make them move again more freely. So at, as an overall, the the time saving may not be as significant okay but uh, in certain stages throughout the treatment it does uh, uh, create a significant improvement in time saving for instance if you are doing canine retraction which generally in an extraction case takes the longest of the stages those canine retraction with the help of uh, of this accelerated uh, tooth movement uh, 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 techniques can actually be be sped up, uh, but then you you have to wait for the incisors to be retracted, and then you have to do finishing and detailing. Those particular states prob probably will still take the same amount of time. Okay, so it's almost like a wash. You save 
in one side, but you need to probably pay a little bit more detail on the other side. So uh, overall, probably can save two, three months of treatment. That's yeah. pretty good. So something that I think has been a little controversial, but it's sort of an interesting topic now and buzzword is tongue tie and releasing tongue ties and doing them early. Can you talk a little bit about that? You've got to be careful with tongue tie. I mean, the, dia- the diagnosis right. of tongue tie, it is uh, sometimes that um, most people uh, kind of using it loosely. Okay, so, but it, in fact, there is a particular uh, uh, way to detect tongue tie, and then there is particular anatomy that you really need to pay attention when detecting tongue tie. Uh, and uh, work with the speech therapist is always the best. So they can, they can help and figure out if the tongue actually inhibit their speech development. Okay, if it is indicated, uh, doing it early is always good. Like almost like like anything, the earlier, if it's the earlier, the better. As long as it is indicated and it's not jeopardizing the the patients. Okay, so that's that's why we again going back to diagnosis as anything. Going back to diagnosis. I love that. I love hearing that from you because I do think people skip the steps of going to the right professional. Like one of the questions I didn't ask you early on, but I'm going to backtrack to it is why did you become an orthodontist? Oh, I love the mind uh, puzzle, (laughs) the the puzzle or to put the puzzle together. I mean, it's, it it is, uh, it's not a boring profession. There is never be a one patient that you have to do the, the same thing, exactly the same thing. Every every appointment you for particular for every patient you basically have to think uh, during the appointment of two, three, four steps ahead uh, before you can see him or her in the next appointment again. So uh, it, it's uh, it's really. Uh, you know, I don't know if you know, but I'm also a computer engineer. Okay, so so yeah. No, I did so, know that. <laughs> I love making program, computer program. Okay, so that's 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 why the in 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 fields of dentistry, orthodontist is the closest probably to programming. Okay, so because you you cannot see the result instantly. You you have to think two three years down the road. The result you are like building a house from scratch. Okay, so so that's why it is so important the diagnosis aspect, the planning in the beginning. It's it's very critical in in orthodontics. Once the diagnosis is good, once the foundation is built good, then the rest is pretty much uh, autopilot. It's a cruise control. But if you messed up in the foundation. It's so hard to fix. So uh, that's uh, the, the analogy that's probably the closest. So in closing, I, I kind of want to get to some interesting stuff. Tell me what's happening to new orthodontists when they get out of school. Are they opening their own practice? Are they going and working as an associate? Are they buying practices? Uh my experience having been a program director for many years and then uh, uh, at least in the past, let's say 
five, six years, most of them, when they graduate, they will become an associate or work with either a group practices or a, 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 a group specialty clinic or, or an orthodontist. Okay, so they, they rarely uh, open their own from, from scratch. Now, after about, let's say, four or five years into their practice, then then, then uh, probably half of them will start opening their own. So that's, that's, that's kind of the statistic that I can give you. No, that's good. I was, I was, yeah. I was interested in, you know, dentists, do you usually see the, you know, general dentist go and associate or they do a general practice residency and they get really good at, you know, trauma but orthos it's usually you know what do they do it's you know kind of like very high up there in terms of a specialty so i always wanted to know do they go work as an associate do they open their own practice do they buy a practice yeah i mean mo most of them work as an associate or or work work with the group practices okay so uh, uh right. practices that has multiple locations okay so um, majority of them is either Many a general dentist office, uh, some of course specialty uh, group specialty uh, offices. Well, it was enlightening talking to you. You really did answer some of the amazing technology questions that I've had about AI and other technology advances in ortho. I am so appreciative for you giving us your time because you are the expert on most of this stuff. So oh, thank, thank you, you so much. much, Sari. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, you know, if I can be a help at any time, you know. Well, I'd love to do another one with you because I do think there's more cool stuff coming down the world. Oh, in yeah, ortho. it's always. And... Ortho is always. <laughs> they, they always make something. <laughs> so don't be surprised if we ask you back for... Booty Casado oh, part thank two. Thank you. I'll be honored. Thank Take you, care. Booty. Take bye care. Bye.